0: Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O heads, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. May his name be glorified. Amen. Good morning. Can you hear me at the back? I just wanted to uh, mention a couple of personal prayer points before uh, the ministry of the word. Uh, I'll be traveling to Kazakhstan 21st to 27th pray for an effective time with people who are traveling in from Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan as well. (coughs) Also it's been um, 10 years after we've been kind of kicked out of Uzbekistan and um, the president of Uzbekistan passed away last month sometime and there is a more sterner regime in place Um, but Trusting in the Lord, um, Asha is trying to get into the country in November uh, for four or five days. So the visa process is on. And the sisters, they really need a lot of encouragement. And the brothers have been telling us uh, quite a bit. So Asha is uh, planning to travel along with another sister, Husamishri, who was in Uzbekistan and is now in Kazakhstan. So please... I uh, remember the Asian ministry in your prayers. <laughs> okay, before we move into the passage, I want us to close our eyes for a minute. Just close our eyes. And then imagine a coffin before you. And then in that casket, picture your own body. Well, that is the end that we see. And for some of us who have seen symmetries and the bones have been taken out of it, and the skull, that is what people would see. That's good. Open your eyes. When I grew up, there was a theatre nearby. So you had the matinee and the first show, and the theatre music would come across. So there was a song. Um, This was a Malayalam song. Um, Some of the very old people who must have been in, um, must have grown up in Kerala, must have heard that. It used to say, Altma Vidyalayame. Um, I don't know whether anyone here knows that, but it talks about at the end of life, what is there, whether it was the king supreme or the beggar on the street, they will all be one, it will be a worthless skull. And that song used to um, attract me very much. We used to go around singing all these nonsense songs because we used to hear them all the time. And my parents were upset, but this song they also used to sing. And um, two years back I just Googled it and I I found the um, cinema scene as well. We never went to cinema, though we are not brethren. Uh, So... You can see somebody in a, um, what do you call, it, reclamation ground, sweeping up the ashes and singing. So that is the end to which we are walking. Now, those thoughts used to haunt me as a caterer. <laughs> now, we dress ourselves well, We make it a point that we are well groomed. We want to live in the best of houses. Okay, everything comes to that end. And here in this world, we are in a race to get ahead of people. I don't know what. And then at the end, whether it's a king supreme, Or the wandering beggar, they would all be there. But for the Christian. You know, I grew up as a Catholic, I told you. So, um, I was kind of a devout one, not a very bad one. And in my engineering days, came across this interdenominational group. And I was presented with the story of Nicodemus. And the story of Nicodemus, we are not going there. So he was a ruler of the Jews, a Pharisee. And I finally thought if anyone from my parish would go to heaven, I would be that. But I was so shocked when this was presented and the Lord telling um, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot enter heaven. So I was shocked, and then I repented of many of my sins and all that. And actually, I spent a week crying over my sins and thinking that my sins would never be forgiven. And the next week, um, during a small group discussion, uh, one of the um, one of my professors actually led me to faith. Well, I did not understand the significance of what heaven is. We all talk about heaven. So, I uh, used to sing all those kind of uh, songs as little kids. Um, they are different from the ones that you have sung. It's sing, I got a shoe, you got a shoe, all God's children got a shoe. When I get to heaven, gonna put on my shoe, gonna walk on all God's heaven." Here we'll be talking about um, golden streets and all those kind of stuff, right? And as little kids, we try to give different pictures of heaven. And later on, as you become adolescent and teenager, uh, maybe some of these things just vanish and become another hearsay and something to speak about. Anyway, after coming to the Lord, I did not understand the significance of hope. Nobody told me about it. Nobody talked about it. So finally, there was was a workshop on personal Bible study. And I decided that I'm going to do personal Bible study. So I started. um, So there was this inductive study method that was presented. uh, And I sat down one day. Every week, I used to allot the time. And so on Saturday afternoon, I sat down with a scripture, and I didn't know what to do. I took a big, full-scale paper and observation to get put the uh, tables on. And then I started reading. I went into Colossians because someone had co- covered something from Philippians Philippines before, and I had read... Philippians as a Catholic many a time because I was in a seminary that was our meditation passage and all that. So I took this Colossians and then I started reading and I didn't get anything. So I went back and read and read and read. Finally I came to this portion. Colossians 1 and verse 5. You don't need to go there. Uh, four and five, um, verse 4 and 5a. We heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. I was fascinated. We used to sing about faith, hope, and charity. Faith, hope, and charity. That was a common thread in Catholic circles. And here there was faith and charity. And says it comes... Because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. I was fascinated, but I did not know what it was. I did not know what hope was. So I sat down and prayed, Lord, show me what hope is. And I received a few things um, during those months, which I want to share with you today. What I received as a young Christian, maybe much more younger in faith than Most of us sitting here, what I received, I want to share today. But before I go into that, because of the hope, which is laid up for you in heaven, which is laid up. And the, the Savior tells us, lay not up treasures on earth, where moth and rust Right? And the present day you might say, well, online thieves will steal our bank account. Don't know. Or our national economies might collapse all of a sudden and everything is gone. Think of the biggest billionaire laying up an inheritance for his son. So he lays it up. He reserves it for his son. Even so, a hope is laid up. But what is the difference of this hope? It is laid up in heaven. In heaven where there is no moth and rust and thieves. So that is the hope that we have. Well, the word hope, I hope everything will work out all right. I'm not sure about it. Hmm? And in certain cases, I hope I will, um, I will get my train and my reserved ticket would be there. There's a little more basis there. I have reservation and I go there and I will get it. Then we usually don't talk about hope there. We usually talk about surety. Yeah, I got such and such a birth and I will be there. Even so, in Christian hope, we know that we talk about a certainty, not about just an expectation. It is an earnest expectation of a surety. And uh, when, he, when we come to First Peter, um, get all familiar with all these passages. It talks about chapter one, verses um, three and four. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord. Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you laid up in heaven for you reserved in heaven for you an inheritance incorruptible undefiled, even gold, the noble metal can react, right? But here, our inheritance is incorruptible and it will not get defiled. It will not get devalued with the currency devaluation. We have an inheritance that is safe and secure and so we come to this hope. The nature of a hope is something that is undefiled, incorruptible, and that does not fade away. It is living. We are always sure and we live by its strength. It is alive to us. It motivates us. The living hope. We talked about abandoned mercy today. The Lord was uh, pulling the strings in together. The copious flood of grace and mercy. That all our sins were washed away. And now He's taken us to a hope. And what is this hope? And I, I really wanted that. I said, young Christian, do you know what this hope is? And, you know, we didn't have um, so many internet stuff there. There was no internet in 1984. Um, yeah, there was no internet. There was internet. Okay. And um, study Bibles were not common where I was. I didn't know. I just had my RSV Catholic edition and uh, Good News Bible, and a few other um, uh, things that I had gathered around myself. And I tried to read and read and think and think. And suddenly it clicked John 14. And there the Lord said, In my Father's house are many mansions, If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. That where I am, you may be also. I'm going to take you and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Very familiar things to us but this is where we should stand. So what are these mansions? We talk about the mansions of gold and all those kind of stuff. I really didn't understand it. As a child, I have heard this so many times. I glossed over it. So I tried to understand what these mansions were, and you know I was not among believers. I, was, I, I grew up up to sixth standard thinking that Catholicism and Christianity are same. In sixth standard, there was some preaching that was going on the city in in the town, and they said it is Pentecostals, and and that was the first introduction to my to gospel that I had. You think the whole of Kerala is evangelized, but this is the truth. To my knowledge, I am the first believer from my panchayat. Anyway, standing there, I couldn't understand what this was. Home, And then I thought of some of the songs that I used to sing. There was a song that we used to sing for night prayers. And they used to it started with God of mercy and compassion, look with pity upon me, and it says, um, "By my sins, I have deserved um, death and endless misery." In next stanza, it says, "By my sins, I have abandoned right and claim to heaven above." Somehow, that immediately came to me. And I started thinking of heaven. I went on with that for some time. Till um, I was caught up with the transfiguration story. And I just want to go there a little bit today. Uh, We'll go to Matthew chapter 17 verses 2 to 9. You know we've been... Going through the disciple cost of discipleship, and we talked about that quite a bit at the camp, and then again we talked about it. And um, this happens if you remember, um, the Lord Jesus Christ spent time with his disciples, and he was walking. In the villages of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, and he asked who they thought other, um, who others thought he was, and finally asked him, "Who do you think I am?" And the Lord, And Peter confesses, "I am, uh, you are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And from that point, what did Jesus do? He tells them from that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, Suffer many things from the elders and priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. And Peter heard only the first portion, that he would be killed. And he said, No, let it not happen to you. And the Lord says, Get behind me, Satan. Now, it is immediately after that, chapter 17, verse 1. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter and James and John his brother and led them up on a high mountain by themselves and he was transfigured before them his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light and behold Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with them then Peter answered and said to Jesus Lord it is good for us to be here if if you wish Let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. So Jesus rebuked Peter because he was standing in the way of him walking to Calvary. And then here, he's again talking to to him and helping them to experience, as we might say it, a piece of heaven. Here he is, with them, Peter, James, and John, the small circle of disciples that he always used to um, impart special things to. And he takes them up. And what, it is said very simply, and he transfigured before them. I think George um, Chan um, presented the word metamorphosis, metamorphosis, word. Chained. Hmm? That is the word here. He was changed before them. Hmm? He was metamorphed before them. It's like the man Jesus Christ that they had been walking around with was like a caterpillar compared to this glorious butterfly that they see. Those words are incomparable, but I'm just trying to... Make us understand. He was transfigured. You know, when there are heavenly experiences, it cannot be expressed in human languages. So you have to uh, latch on to things. I always used to say this uh, illustration. Think of somebody from 1500, 1600 AD. Suppose that he survived all these 500, 600 years. And all of a sudden, you take him and put in a very busy airport, very neat one, and then he goes and sees all the planes taking off and gets into one, gets royal treatment. And then he's taken back to the 1500s, and he meets up with people of that time. How can he express? How can he express what he sees? How can he say a car? You get into this big animal and the animal runs, and you are inside. It's beautiful. And the guy there might be thinking of animal. Or you get into a bird and the bird flies. So this is the way that when someone explains that heavenly experience to us, we can understand. So here he says, he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. His face shone like the sun. Why? There isn't anything more brighter than the author could think of. His face shone like the sun. That was the brightness of Christ when he was transfigured. And his clothes became as white as the light. Matthew, Mark and Luke record it. So one person says, and his clothes became as white as light. Another person says, it became as white as snow. And another person says. As white as no fuller on earth could bleach it. It is a whiteness. It is a brightness. That we cannot explain. You know. The skull that you thought of. The dead body that you thought of. We are going to be. Metamorphed into that image of the Son of God. When we see him, we shall be like him. Say it loud, brother. He Hallelujah. That was a revelation to me as a Christian. And when we, when we can see a hope before us, Our faith will be strengthened. Our love for one another, our love for the Lord will be strengthened. Spend time studying about hope. You know, um, the Lord told them as he came down from the mountain, tell this to no one, till I am raised from the dead and they didn't understand what is this rising from the dead and then they forgot it okay but that must have been always there in the heart of peter and james and john and later on peter writes peter writes in second peter second peter chapter 1 16 to 19. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain and we have something more sure the prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your (laughs) hearts. So Peter remembered it and he talked about it. I guess all the apostles did talk about it. And Paul says he also had a special revelation of Christ, right? And he says, You know, I did not, we did not cunningly devise fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I'm telling you, he's going to come back. He's going to come back with power. You know, I have seen it on the mountain. I was with him on the mountain when that happened. I cannot tell you how glorious he was. I cannot tell you how dazzling his garments were. I cannot tell you how scared I was. I cannot tell you how lovely I felt there that I went out of mind and I said, I will erect tabernacles. They had it shining in their hearts and they imparted that to others. The Lord Jesus, just as He taught to take up the cross and follow after Him, also taught the great hope that is awaiting us. And looking at that hope, it is much easier to take up the cross put it on our shoulders and walk after the lord jesus christ and thinking of that even thinking of the skull and that we can forsake all and go after the lord how much more when we think of the glorious appearing of the lord jesus christ we received from uh, he received from god the father the honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, "This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased." This was what the apostles heard when Jesus was taken up from them, um, or the um, when the when um, Moses and Elijah were removed. And after that, verse nineteen is okay. Um, verse 19 so we have the prophetic word confirmed which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the morning star rises so we have not been there we have not had that experience but you know what we have the prophetic word and here after some time he even says that paul's words are scripture so even his word the words that came to us um, from the lord through these apostles as well as in the old testament study about hope it will fill you with a living hope it will give you a reason to live beyond your retirement age It will give us a reason to live beyond this life. Until the morning star, until the, um, you will, you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. And as a kid, um, I was so scared of dark. And sometimes... Go somewhere and come back, and it's dark all over. And there are street lights in villages. Current goes off, right? And I used to be so scared because we had to walk a little bit, um, not on a road, and that was infested with snakes and venomous ones. So uh, you'd walk. Slowly, 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 and when there is no um, light, you look at the lamps in the houses. That's kind of, uh, something happens, you want to run there. And finally, the lamp in my house appears. (sighs) Until the morning star rises, let us hold on to the prophetic word. Let us go back and study. As we study the, if we look for something, you will see it. Okay. Um, you know, I'm not a guy who notices cars very much. So, uh, my son knows every brand of car. But <laughs> so, in Kazakhstan, I was changing my car and I was thinking of buying a Toyota Nova. Before that, I never saw it in the city. And I said, but when I started looking at Toyota Nova, because that was offered to me, and whenever I went to the street, I always found Toyota Novas. So it's always, if you look for something, you will find it. If you look for passages passages that talk about hope, you will find that in almost every chapter. Uh, I don't want to uh, share all my studies with you. I would, I don't think that would be fair. Uh, now, see, uh, the Lord Jesus gave them a revelation of Himself, and He taught them. And what did He do finally? He rose again, and then he went around with them, and finally he was, he ascended into heaven. Let's come to Acts chapter one. We'll read verses nine and eleven, nine to eleven. <clears throat> now, when he had spoken these things, while they Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And when they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? the same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Now, the Lord Jesus is going up, not in in the transfigured body, this would would have definitely been recorded, I believe. And the most momentous thing in the history of mankind is Probably recorded very simply, very simply. He was taken up, and as they watched, he was taken up, and the cloud received him out of their sight. There was no need for fiery chariots. Elijah couldn't ascend, right? But Jesus ascended he just ascended, he was lifted up he was lifted up and he was removed out of their sight you know Jesus had died was buried and then they thought he would never come back now he was with them he was lifted up and the clouds covered him and they are expecting huh, he'll come back maybe in 10 minutes maybe tomorrow maybe 3 days just like no, so two men in white apparel come and say what do they say men of Galilee why do you stand gazing up into heaven the same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in the like manner she saw him going to heaven If they had listened closely to the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, tarry in Jerusalem, I'm going to send the Spirit. Till then you tarry in Jerusalem. Before his death, he had told them something. What did he say? Go to Galilee. They did not go to Galilee. They tarried in Jerusalem. Now, when is taken up from them, he has given them instructions. Tarry in Jerusalem. And they did that. Because they already had an experience, I suppose. The Lord built them up that way. Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Now the angelic word that is making our faith even stronger. The same Jesus will come back. Just as you saw him go up into heaven from the Mount of Olivet in Jerusalem. The same Jesus who carried the cross, who was mocked and made fun of, spat upon and walked through the street of Jerusalem. He will come again. He will come again. This time he will come again. And we will be caught up with him. And he will come transfigured. And now I coming to that portion I understood what the Lord Jesus meant. Yes. This most of you must have heard must have heard numerous times sung sung songs numerous times as you grew up yes um, prepared mansions in glory and he's waiting for me yes he's gone and he's waiting for me mansions of glory but you know it is you not know, the streets of gold and the emeralds and the jasins, and the various precious stones that are going to be that's attractive to us it's the brightness of his appearance. It's the brightness of his appearance, and um, Paul writes to Titus and Titus um, and this is in regard to other things. Uh, Titus chapter two and verse thirteen. So, if you go from eleven, twelve, and thirteen. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. That is the focus. And then what does he take them? What is the anchor? Because of what? Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, this hope is Blessed hope. Why is it blessed? Because we are going to see the Lord Jesus Christ filled with glory, bright as the sun. No. It's not bright as the sun. Much more brighter. But the human language cannot contain it. Glorious appearing. He'll be full of glory. And that is the word. He'll be full of glory. The glorious appearing there will be. The great God and Savior. He comes as a Savior and as a great God. He will come again to get us. And when we see him face to face, we will see him. And we will become as he is. Now, little children, does not yet appear how we shall be. First John chapter three, verse two. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. It has not been revealed. Not has not yet been revealed. What we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed. We shall be like him. For we shall see him. As he is. For we shall see him. As he is. And that is all what is needed. We shall be full of glory. I don't know what that glory will be like we can picture and make stories and make sunday school stories and other stories but we are never going to know it until we are in his presence until we see him face to face our hope is a blessed hope when we look at that how can we live for this world How can we let our neighbor live for this world? How can we let our colleague live for this world and help him to get his promotion? Would we rather not give him a promotion that is infinitely larger into that glory and this is the thing that will, that has to motivate us. There's one more thing in that. What is that? This, this God, this great God who is coming, this great Savior who is coming, it's the same man who died for me on the cross, the same person who in my place condemned he stood we sing that right it is because he died that death that we have this glory that is awaiting us and when we look to that glory we'll also see that face there's a song which says by and by when I look on his face beautiful face, thorn-shaded face. By and by, when I look on his face, I will wish I had given him more, more of my love than I ever gave before. By and by, when I look at his hands, marvelous hands, uh, nail-pierced hands, I'll wish I had given him more. In the light of that glorious place, we will be there. And um, Paul writes and says, what is my joy and crown but you? Investing into souls who will be transformed into his glorious likeness. That is what we are called to. This is the hope. It is not about changing our personality and playing with group dynamics. All this can happen. Some of these things are needed while we live here. But unless we see what we are called to, our eyes will remain here. So that's what Paul says. Look to where? Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. You know, at this moment, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, clothed with all glory and honor. And we are going to be there. In the Old Testament, People could not see the glory and live. Moses was put into a cave and the glory of the Lord passed by. And Jacob, seeing something in a dream, he's scared. And when we come to Revelation, John, what does he do? He fell as if dead when he saw the glory of the Lord. And we are going to be full of that glory and we are going to be with him. And then we are going to sing songs of redemption, songs of joy. And when we have been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we we'll still have long 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 years time never ends well the king and the pauper can end up in the grave and the and in the cremation ground or the king and the pauper can end up in glory and the lord has pleased to call us to his glory And lead us to his glory. And for that, the Savior, the captain of salvation, became a little lower than angels. And the same captain of salvation is leading us to glory. And that is what is awaiting us. And so, (coughs) coming back to 1 Corinthians 15, we'll read that and conclude quickly. wanted to spend a little more time on it, but um, that's good. You know, I grew up in a time when in, there were lots of student strikes in Kerala. So, I'm used to slogan shouting, okay? Um, there's much less slogan shouting nowadays, so you may not understand the vigor with which people go on shouting slogans. Liju, you might know a little bit. <laughs> so um, verse uh, verse 54 so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality then shall be brought to pass the saying death is swallowed up in victory and then he breaks out Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hate, where is your victory? The party that is in triumphal procession challenges... Oh, death! Did you think that you could have me in a casket? Did you think that I could be just... dust on the ground? I have defeated you. I have defeated you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, death... Where is your sting? Sting of sin as well. Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is along. law. It has been defeated in Christ Jesus. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Not once in a while. Not on alternate Saturdays when Jobin calls us out for outreach. And it's a pity that there are very few to reach even that. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always. At work, at school, at home always abounding in the work of the lord be steadfast be immovable because we have a kingdom that can never be shaken we have a calling that is beyond imagination that can never be put into human languages therefore be steadfast immovable always abounding in the work of the lord and second peter in chapter 3 Verse fourteen. Now, this this is on the side of everything, but we'll look at this as well. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace, without spot and blameless. We are going to be found by Him. Looking forward to these things, be diligent. Always be diligent. Put in all our effort. Be diligent to be found by him in peace. Not in rebellion, in peace, without spot and blameless. Okay, and uh, coming down to verse 18, 17 and 18. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness. Being led away by the error of the wicked. Don't fall away from steadfastness. Those who are steadfast, those of us who are steadfast, don't fall away from our steadfastness. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Is it just to new believers? No, to all of us. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can find a million more applications for faith, anything, for hope, anything that we do proceeds out of it. May the Lord help us with these words. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for helping us to think of your super abundant mercy and grace. And we have eaten of the table. We have eaten of the bread that was broken as a token of that glory to come. And we want to thank you that you have called us to share in your glory, which we poor human beings cannot understand, but you have revealed to us great amount of it whatever ways we can and we want to thank you for it and we pray that you will help us to be steadfast and immovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord Being careful to be found at peace with you all the time and to be taking care to be growing in your grace and knowledge thank you Father in Christ's precious name Um, We have a brand new visitor.